Amen. Okay, look at what it says in verse 1 of Isaiah 65. I am sought of them that ask not for Me. I am found of them that sought Me not. I said, Behold Me, behold Me unto a nation that was not called by My name. Okay, now, uh, if that passage sounds familiar to anybody, that's actually in Romans chapter 10. That is, uh, uh, This is a prophetic passage right here showing how the Jews and how Israel was going to reject Christ, even though he did everything he could to try to get them saved, to try to get them to turn to him, we see that God said, fine, you know what? I'm going to move on and I'm going to go to another nation. This is a huge passage on replacement theology. But that's not what we're talking about tonight. But let's keep reading this because what was, what, what was so bad with Israel? All right. Because was Israel, you know, Israel got involved in a lot of bad stuff. And it refers to some of these things in this passage. But as wicked as Israel was, you know, would we say that they were still, for the most part, better than most other nations? I mean, yeah. I mean, at least there were some periods of time where they followed the Word of God to a certain extent. They were never perfect in it. Sometimes they got really bad. Sometimes they were pretty good. But we never see any Gentile nations doing any better than them. You know, they were worse in the sense, though, you know, God gave them so much and yet they did so little with it. But, you know, morally speaking, they were, I think it's safe to say, they were better than the Gentile nations. But yet, we see they greatly upset God. Let's see why. In verse 2, it says, I have spread out my hands all the day into a rebellious people which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. A people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face, that sacrificeth in gardens and burneth incense upon altars of brick, which remain among the graves and lodge in the monuments, which eat swine's flesh and the broth of abominable things in their vessels, which say, Stand by thyself, come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. We've all heard the term holier than thou before, right? Where does that come from? It comes from this passage right here. It says, I am holier than thou. These are a smoke in my nose, a fire that burneth all the day. Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silence, but will recompense, even recompense, into their bosom. So notice what upset God so much about Israel. It wasn't just the fact that they were wicked, but the fact that they were wicked and they thought they were better than everybody else. Okay? And you know, and I like how he says, you know, these are a smoke in my nose. Alright? What is that? What's a smoke in your nose? I mean that, that's something that's an annoyance, right? You get smoke in your nose, that's a problem. You know, what do you do? You, you know, you start coughing, you want to get rid of it, you start uh, you know, you start blowing out your nose when you get that, you know, nasty smell or something. You get smoke in there. Why? Because you're trying to get rid of it because it, it, it's an annoyance. It's something that's gross. It's irritating. And Israel, one of the reasons they were such a problem, they were such an irritation, is because of the fact that they were wicked, yet they thought they were so good. And here they are, you know, they're wanting to separate from other people, you know, because we're holier than thou. They're going and they're comparing themselves to other people and thinking they're better when they were so wicked themselves. God hated that. I mean, God hated that in a great way. We see that when Jesus came to earth and while he was doing his ministry, you had, we see that Jesus got along better with the publicans and the harlots than he did with the Pharisees. Why is that? Because of the fact that you had these Pharisees, you know, the publicans and harlots, they probably did worse things morally than the Pharisees did in many ways. But the Pharisees, they had this holier-than-thou mentality while the publicans and the harlots, they were repentant. While they were at least sorry, while they were humble, while they had faith, we see that Jesus had a better relationship with them. We see after the resurrection, whenever they start preaching the Gospel, for the most part, the Jews, they were rejecting they rejected the gift of salvation. They wanted to establish their own righteousness, proving that they were ignorant of the righteousness of God like we talked about this morning, proving that these people were ignorant to their own sinful condition. And this upset God so much. You know what God did? God ended up doing exactly what He prophesied that He was going to do and He went to another nation. One that was not called by His name like Israel was. He goes to another nation 
he moves on from them and he goes to a people who had a lot of big problems. But you know what the difference was with the Gentiles? They at least admitted it. They at least had faith. And they were at least willing to say, you know what, yeah, I can't be righteous on my own, but I am willing to submit to the righteousness of God. And so while they were probably worse in many ways than the Jews were, we see that they were accepted where the Jews ended up being rejected. And the truth is, everyone, not just God, hates holier-than-thou people, don't they? Don't, don't, we all, don't you just hate that person that's holier-than-thou? That just thinks they're so good, that thinks they're better than everybody else? You know, I mean, every, you know, don't you hate that person that you know, is good-looking and knows it? And wants to just flaunt it and stuff like that. You know, you hate that. It's like, you know, or that smart person, the smart, and they know it and they flaunt it. You know, we, we all hate that. You know, we hate people that think they're better than we are. Everybody hates that, but it's, you especially hate it when you know they're not better than you. <laughs> you know, when you know that they, you're not any smarter than I am. You know, you're, you're not any better, yet they have that attitude. You know what they are? They're a smoke in our nose, they're annoying. They're irritating. We want to get rid of them. You know, and the thing is, none of us mind putting up with people who have faults. You know, I think our church is very, you know, accepting of people. We put up with faults. You know, if you think, I don't think we do that, you know, well, you're probably the one that we're putting up with then. You know, <laughs> you, you know, we, I think we're very gracious with people. I think, I think we are. I think we're very loving, caring, help, helpful, all that kind of stuff. But you know who you know, I notice our church struggles with, and I think most church struggles with this, are the holier-than-thou people. These self-righteous people that, that come in and they just think they're better than everybody else. They've got all these outward appearance rules that they follow that they want to force on everyone else. And I'm going to give some examples tonight. You know, I just recently got a call from a guy who... Um, you know, he was interested in our church, but he noticed that our website didn't have anything about birth control on it. And, you know, I, I just I never even thought to put anything about birth control on the doctrinal statement on our website. You know, and I told him my thoughts on it and everything, and apparently I wasn't hardcore enough for this guy. You know, he wanted he didn't think we should fellowship with any women who uh, take birth control or have been sterilized in the past. And I'm just like, listen, I said. You know, I'm against anything that caused abortion. I'm against, you know, birth control, all this stuff. But I'm not checking people's, you know, pills when they come to church. I'm not asking people these questions. I was like, if people don't like the preaching, you know, they probably just won't come around. But, you know, I'm not enforcing stuff like that, you know. And, and so I'm not hardcore enough for them. So he said at the end of the conversation, he said, yeah, well, I don't know if we'll be visiting just yet. We'll probably just... Uh, home church, or I might just start my own church someday. And I'm thinking, and when, as soon as he said that, I'm thinking, you know, now it's kind of the end of the conversation. I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> you know, you go home church, you go. I do not want somebody like that in our church. When your main thing is birth control, you know, I, and, the, you know, there needs to be a balance on some things. And, I, and I'll say more about this in a little bit. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But the thing is, when the first thing that this guy wants to do is enforce, he's wanting me to enforce all his rules on everybody in our church, I'm just thinking, you're an idiot. I, I do not want people like that in our church. You know why? That is an example of a self-righteous reject. Now, if somebody come, if so, I would rather somebody call me up and say, hey, Pastor Tommy, you know, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're interested in coming to your church, you know, we messed with birth control in the past. You know, we didn't know any better. You know, we, my wife even had an abortion in the past. We didn't know any better. You know, we went, we got, you know, sterilized. You know, we just, we just didn't know. We've learned. You know, we know it was wrong. Can't do anything about it. You know, would we be welcoming your church? You know what? I would say absolutely. I would rather have someone like that in our church than some self-righteous hypocrite in our church. Or what I'm calling self-righteous rejects. You say, what's the difference? So we all we all understand everybody's got some faults. Everybody's got problems. We try to help each other with that. You know, we try to encourage each other to do right. Okay? But you know what? 
everyone, including God, they can't stand, they're annoyed, they're irritated by people who are have this holier-than-thou mentality that think they're better than everybody else, that want to just separate from everyone else because they're just not good enough for them. We hate that. Everybody hates that. There's a natural hatred for that. And you know what we do with the self-righteous like that? They're rejects. We don't. I don't want them in this church. And people like that are real easy to run off to. You know, it's like as the conversation got going, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, I don't, I don't even want to try to talk to this guy. You know, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying, man, I'm for all forms of birth control. You know, I believe in women's rights. You know, I would almost say that to keep a weirdo like that out of out of this church, but I'm not going to go that far. I, I, I don't believe that, but. You know, this, this passage here we read, you know, it's about Israel. It was about how God was going to reject them and going to go to another nation. And so we know that God ended up from the New Testament going to a people that outwardly were worse than Israel. And even in works, they were worse than Israel. But God was willing to put up with them because they were people of faith. And you know what? God, he, God sent men like John the Baptist preaching repentance trying to get people of Israel to believe on Christ. But these people, the problem that they had, they were convinced they were good enough. And what did John call them? He called them a generation of vipers. And many people, they, they are just like the Jews in Jesus' day. They outwardly appear wonderful, but you know what? Within, they are full of dead men's bones. You know, when you're wanting to just come into a church and you're wanting to cast people out because maybe a mistake or something they did in the past, you know what? You're full of dead men's bones. You know, keep away from this church. We don't want anybody like that. They're, these people, they often don't go to churches because they're just too good for every church they go to. They're too good for every church. You know, they, and they, and the thing is, every church they go to, and there's a lot of them in this movement. There's a lot of nitwits out there. There's a lot of just ding-dongs out there. They listen to our preaching. And the only reason they like our preaching is because they hate the old IFB. And they don't hate the old IFB because of the, their legitimate faults. They hate the old IFB for a whole bunch of other reasons. And they use the things that we preach you know, about against the old IFB and they use those as their excuse to not go to the old IFB church in their area. But the truth is, they, and they act like they got kicked out because they're post-trib and stuff like that. But it takes me five minutes. I get to know some of these people. Like, you know what? You didn't get kicked out of your church because you're post-trib. You got kicked out of your church because you're a self-righteous reject. That's why. Because they, some of these people, they come into church. Well, you know, I, I take a strong stand. I mean, I think it's of the utmost importance that we never sell in the house of God. Okay, I agree with that. But yet... You know, you're, you're so hardcore on that one thing, but you're not real big on the forsaking the assembling ourselves. You know, you're not real big on that at all. You know, what are they doing? Why are they taking such a hard stand that they're not going to compromise on? They're just using that as an excuse to not go to church. And the truth is, they do get thrown out of most of these churches, not because they're not exactly like that church, but because they're a self-righteous reject. They're acting like they're better than everybody else. They're annoying everyone in the church. They're irritating everyone in the church with their holier-than-thou mentality and no church likes it. They throw these people out of their church. And most of these people that get thrown out of old IFB churches that come to churches like ours, we end up throwing them out too. Because they're just rejects. That's all there is to it. And they are self-righteous rejects. And so I want us to look at some characteristics of the self-righteous reject. Because folks, I've been in church my entire life. I've been, you know, I, was in, I grew up in a pastor's home. I have seen this a lot. And I'm going to share some examples because one of the things that brought this message up, I was watching our wedding video all right, from 18 years ago. Yeah, 18 years ago. I was, and I was watching the reception and I'm seeing all these people in the reception. I'm just like... And, my, mostly my wife's family. They they were kind of in that homeschool movement, all right. And listen, I'm 100% for homeschooling. I am for homeschooling. I believe in homeschooling. I was in the homeschooling documentary, all right. I'm for homeschooling. But let me tell you, there's like a homeschool movement out there that's not a part of our movement. That's full of weirdos, all right. And they're mostly Calvinist, and they're weirdos, all right. These people are self righteous rejects. Well, we had a bunch of them that came through my dad's church for a while. And my wife's family was friends with a bunch of these weirdos. 
and I'm watching this video because you know if you if you if you want to spot these videos of people in the video, just look for the most conservatively dressed people in the video. That's who they were. All right, these people looked the best. These people talked the best game. But you know what they all have in common? They all raised the most pathetic kids you've ever seen. They raised perverts. I mean, just and I, I could just give you one example after another, and I'll, and I'll probably give some as we go through this message. But let's look at these characteristics. I was reminded. I was like, man, these people caused so much trouble when they came to the church with their self-righteous attitude. They caused so much division. They sowed so much discord. You know, acting like they were holier than thou, yet none of them, I mean, a hundred percent of them turned out bad kids. I mean, they just, none of them, zero did a good job. And I could, I could start naming these people, but none of you in here would know them, so I'm not going to do that. But look what it says in Matthew chapter six and verse one. Matthew chapter six. In verse 1, we're going to look at some characteristics of self-righteous rejects. And I'm adding that word reject in there, all right, because not just because I like calling people rejects, but no, these, these people literally, they are rejected from churches. Churches don't want them. Nobody wants them. Nobody wants these people. And it's not because they're just, they're, they're better. It's because they have a holier than thou attitude. And people feel the same way. Good churches feel the same way about people like that as God felt about people like that. Just as we're supposed to hate the enemies of God and hate the people who God hates, you know, those who are rejected by God, we're going to reject them too. And holier than thou people are like that. But it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest sign alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So he's talking about your works. Don't do works to be seen of men. But that self-righteous reject, they love to talk about their works. They love to talk about how strict they are, and they always try to outdo everyone. One of these families that we had in our church, you know, they, they, they literally, when you have somebody come into the church, okay, anytime somebody comes into the church and the first thing they start doing is talking about how strict the rules are in their house, mark them. Alright? I am 100% for strict rules. But why is it that you're just so anxious to broadcast it? I'll tell you why. Because you're a Pharisee. We had this one family, they came, they came through, and this, this whole movement back then, was, I think it was like a 90s thing, their kids, their boys always wore dress pants, and they always wore blue collared shirts, button-up collared shirts. That was what they wore everywhere. They always wore it to church. They wore it throughout the week. It was always the same thing. I used to think it was because they were poor or something. But, you know, it was just, they, they always got to outdo everybody. And if they'd have made their kids wear a tie during the week, it would have probably been a little obvious. You know, I mean, that was, that was the only thing they were short of, is actually wearing a tie. They always dressed up that way. They always loved to talk about how strict they were. This one family, I mean, you couldn't get two sentences out of them without them mentioning that they don't watch TV. We went over to their house one time. I remember it was the worst dinner we ever had in my life. I mean, it's like they anything that brought pleasure in life, they weren't allowed to have. It was the most disgusting food I ever ate. It was just bland, blah. It was just it was terrible. You know, I remember we went there, and I'll never forget, they wanted to show us this video that they took of, of this giant turtle that they found in their yard. Alright, you know, we were really interested in that, I guess, you know. And so they went, I remember they went, and they're like, go get the TV. And the kids, man, they all, they're all like, all excited. We're getting, you know, we're getting the TV there. I mean, they're like, they're like partying. And then they like bid this big show about how they had to go in their closet and, you know, pull it out in the car because they never watch TV. You know, we don't normally watch TV, but, you know, and they, they had to keep mentioning it. They just had to keep talking about, you know, how strict they were. And, you know, we don't do this and we don't do that. They were always talking about their rules. And then we watched their boring video of them finding a turtle that the kids were just geeking out about. And you say, oh, you know, you're picking on for being more strict than you. Well, here's the thing. I don't have a problem with you being more strict than me. But you know what's interesting? Their kids all turned out to be perverts. All right? 
Their one daughter, you know, my sister actually saw her on some reality show working in a pawn shop all tattooed up. You know, the other kids, I don't know what happened to them. These were the most miserable people you ever met in your life, and yet they wanted to spread their misery. You know, they would go, and anybody in the church that would talk about anything that they did that's something that they wouldn't do, which was pretty much everything that brought, you know, any joy in life, they would want to bring it up. Oh, we don't do that. You know, you know, we don't do that. You know, they just, I mean, just kill joys. They were always talking about themselves and what they do. Yet they turned out the most wicked kids in the world. Why? You know, why? Because the truth is, holy, these holier than thou people, they're not saved. Alright? Just like Israel, who was trying to establish their own righteousness, they didn't get it. They weren't saved. These people who have this attitude, these people are not usually saved. Some of them could be, I guess, but I don't think most of them are. Look what it says in Luke chapter 18 and verse 10. It says, two men went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. And we all know this story. You know, here he is. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. What was the difference? Jesus didn't say that Pharisee was lying. That's not what He said. I personally believe the Pharisee was probably telling the truth. But you know what? Here He is exalting Himself, lifting Himself up, I mean, bragging on His own righteousness. But you know what? He got His prayer got rejected. The Bible says the publican left justified. The other man did. You know what that means? That publican got saved. That Pharisee didn't. He was rejected because he was self-righteous. And that makes God sick. It makes God sick when He's holy and we're sinful, and yet we have this attitude that we're just so great, that we're so you know we're so righteous. And one of the characteristics of the self-righteous reject, they love to get up and talk about themselves. This family I'm telling you about, he, he, one of the things these people do too. All right, whenever you have these families that come in, they all like to walk in with their families all at the same time. They like to have their kids follow them like little ducks, you know. That's what they like, you know. All dressed up, perfect. They love to just they they put on this big show. They always make sure they get noticed, you know. They like to walk in a little bit late to make sure they're noticed, you know, when they come walking in. They like to walk out of services a lot to make sure everybody noticed. One of these families that was like this went to my dad's church. The entire family got up and walked out because my dad mentioned underwear in church, and that was just inappropriate to mention underwear in church. But what's interesting, they're Boy, their kids all turn out to be perverts. I mean, they're boys. The, the one was already a rebel. The other one, he was pretty young teenage, but he creeped me out big time. I knew he was a pervert then. And you know, he ended up going on to get married and everything, but it turned out he was a pervert, did a bunch of pervy stuff. They're getting divorced. Even the one sister that seemed halfway decent, apparently she's getting divorced right now. I mean, these people can't produce any good kids. They have good kids. They have well-behaved kids, but they produce terrible adults. You know, that, that's what they always do. And they do, they, they love making the show, walking out, causing scenes. And it's like they think, they think pastors are just going to see this big, beautiful family and just get all, all oh, we've got to have you people. I'm telling you what, I like big, you know, I like big families. I like little, I, I like, you know, I like people. Alright? But when I see those self-righteous people come in, in my mind, they're rejects. You know, they're, they're just absolute rejects. You know, we don't let our kids, you know, sit anywhere else in service. They all gonna be right next to us. We don't let our kids out of our sight. You know, and listen, you know, we're we're a family integrated church. I'm for family integration. But you know what? There's something wrong when you think everyone in the church is a pervert. All right. Usually, when you think everyone's a pervert, it's because you judge people the way you are in your own heart. All right. And usually, the people that are most obsessed about perverts in the church are usually the pervert themselves. And even if they're not, and they don't ever get busted, they often are the ones that produce the perverts. And I have seen this countless times. These people have never seen it because they've never been to a church for more than three or four years straight. They, they never have. 
None of the, I mean, you go to most of these weirdo, you know, we, we always call them the weirdo homeschool families. So once again, we're homeschooling. I'm not for being a weirdo. All right? Being a weirdo is wrong. None of these people ever were consistent enough to be in a church for more than three or four years. They never did. All right? If you want to know if any of these people are the weirdo ones whenever you talk to them, you know, are you the ones past time to talk to them? Ask them the longest they've ever been in a church. And you won't find one that's been in one more than three or four years. Five, you're not gonna, you're just not gonna find it. Okay, um, they're just not stable people. They they never are. But what they like to do, and the reason they get rejected from many churches, they want to force all their convictions on everyone else. Turn over to Matthew chapter 23, and look what it says. Matthew chapter 23. Verse 1, it says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and His disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. For they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called a man, Rabbi, Rabbi, they do the things that they do to put on a show. They do it to be seen of men. They bind all these burdens on people. They love talking about how strict they are and trying to get everybody else in the church just as strict as them too. And it's amazing too how these, these families that are like this that have just, you know, they've got a bunch of little kids that are well-behaved kids that are just experts on child-rearing. It's, it's just amazing how people will just go to them a lot of times and listen to their counsel. They're always trying to get everybody in the church to do everything exactly like they do. All right, This one guy with the birth control stuff, he's got a slideshow he was wanting me to see. He never sent it to me. He like slows a slideshow everywhere he goes. It's just like, you know, how about if you're so right, how about you set an example so people would actually want to be like you? But you know what the problem is? None of these people ever turn out good adults. They, they just never do. And I want to I get advice from the guy that's actually raised good kids who became good adults. That's what I, that's what I look to. Not just the guy who's got good little robots. All right? One of these days, these you know, kids are going to snap out of it and they're going to start making choices on their own. I want to see, see the results that that person gets. These people have no results yet. Yet they're experts and they're always trying to force things on everyone, everybody else. They're not content to just set an example. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, and it's talking about, you know, the shepherds and the bishops in the church, you know, tell them to feed the flock of God and he tells them to be in samples to believers. We're not being lords over God's heritage, but we are in samples to the flock. We are as pastors. It's not my job to beat you over the head with all these rules and to enforce things. You know what my, one of my jobs is? is to preach the Word. Here's what the Bible says. And then you know what else I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to set a good example. And if I'm actually setting a good example, then people are going to be more likely to want to do what I do and follow what I do. But what's interesting about these people, they're always miserable. And then they wonder, they, it's like their attitude is the whole, you know, more, you know, more miserable you are, the more holy you are. You know, the Bible says the commandments of God are not grievous. You know, the Bible says, you know, we're happy when we do God, when we do God's will, when we do God's word. It will bring joy. Jesus said, I've come, you might have life, you might have it more abundantly. Yet these people are always miserable people. And the parents all of say, oh no, we're happy. Our kids are happy too. You know, and their kids are standing there looking like a zombie, looking like they want to kill themselves. It's like, your kids don't look very happy to me. They look pretty miserable. The last thing I want to do, I don't want to listen to a guy tell me how to raise my kids or be a good husband whose wife and kids are miserable. I, I, don't, I don't want to hear from them. You know, it's not just my job to enforce rules and, you know, be a leader in that way. You know, making strict rules. Part of my job is to make my family happy. And I believe following the commands of God will make them happy. But yet these people, they've made it this miserable experience and that is not what God intended. You know, and why is it that none of these people are just willing to be an example? You know, okay, if you just want to be that big of an influence, all right, if you want to prove that the whole world would be happier if they had 19 kids and counting, why don't you have your 19 kids and counting and turn out good adults instead of 
you know, and turning out one. Oh, the oldest one's a pervert, like the Duggars, you know, whose girls all go marry weird, creepy, trendies. You know, I mean, I'm not liking, you know, I'm not liking how the Duggar kids are turning out. Now, I don't think the problem was that they had 19 kids. I think the problem is that they were, you know, weirdo Gothard types. And that's a lot of the problem, too. I don't know much about this guy, but all these weirdo homeschool people that we knew growing up, most of them were usually Gothard followers. I don't know Gothard. I, I don't even know what he looks like. All, all I know is I've known a lot of his followers, and they were all weirdos. And from what I understand, too, I found this out years later, Gothard at the time had never even been married. He wasn't even married. He didn't even have any kids. Yet he was like this big spokesperson for how to raise families. And didn't he turn out to be a pervert? My thing to Doug Phillips. No. Both of them. All right. So Doug Phillips too. Doug Phillips was another one. We had this family in our church that were big into all the homeschooling things. Go to the homeschooling conference. They were always giving me Doug Phillips books. I think I read one of them. Uh, you know, I didn't didn't particularly care for the guy. The one I read was like on history. He turned out to be a pervert. He had to resign from whatever that ministry has. You got a lot of these weirdos too. They're following the Pearl, the Pearl family. Uh, anybody know who the Pearls are? Another just weirdo freaks. All right, self righteous rejects. And uh, I, I probably I need to I, you know I said I probably need to make this two part series. There's a lot of examples I can give. The Pearls, one of their specialties is preach uh, is teaching on spanking, and they basically promote child abuse is what they do. And you've got, and you know, and not all of this is the Pearl's fault, but a lot of it is their fault. A lot of their followers, it's like their magic solution for everything is just spanking. You know, they don't teach them how, well, you know, hey, yeah, spanking is a part of it, but you know what? There's actually a lot of things we need in our life. We need to be in church. You need to be saved. You need to be, you know, you, there, there's, you know, you need to be a responsible husband. You need to be a responsible mother. There, there's, there's so many things, but it's like they want to focus in on the spanking thing. So they've got all these people that are real big on spanking, and they just beat their, you know, kids' backsides bloody, and missing, missing the boat on so many other things. And that's how these people are. That's how Pharisees are. They specialize in one little area. And they ignore the weightier matters. Refer to my message on omitting the weightier matters. There are things that are more important. Listen, you know, go ahead, have a big family if you want. I think it's good to do that. You know, keep, you know, keep all the pills and the hormones and things out of your life. That's great. But you know what? We we need to remember there's other things that are important too. You know, being in the house of God is important. Not forsaking the assembly is important. Having kids is good, but you know what? If you've got a husband that's a deadbeat, that won't get a job, that's not willing to provide, that's not taking care of his wife, that's cheating on his wife, I don't really recommend those people be having a bunch more kids. I don't think that's a solution. If you've got a wife that's having all these terrible health problems and she's miserable and ready to commit suicide or kill the kids and stuff like that, you probably shouldn't be having kids. The solution, if you are in a situation like that, is not get rid of birth control in your life. Okay, so I've got I've got pro, I've got my problems with birth control. All right, but if your life is miserable because you're a deadbeat husband, you got a wife that's got all kinds of issues, your marriage is falling apart. The solution is not just get rid of the birth control pills. You know what you need to do? You need to fix all these other things too. But you've got these people out there; they zero in on one area ignoring all these other areas, and then you know what they do? Then they make people who are strong on those positions look bad, don't they? Guys like the guy I talk to, he makes anti-birth control people look bad. You know, that, that's what they end up doing. And we've got, we've got to watch out. Why is it that some of the people that obsess the most about how females dress end up being the perverts? The ones molesting their own daughters in many cases. Why is that? Alright. You know, it's because they're Pharisees. They focus in on one thing, ignoring all the other things. We've got to have some balance in our Christian life. There are some things we've got to get right first before we're doing other things. That, you know, you've got to get first things first. But we, do, you know, we, 
We live in a wicked, mixed-up world, and people, they're not just going to immediately accept whatever somebody says just because you're right. Okay, so just because you're really good at telling me how right you are, I'm now supposed to just believe you. How about you prove it to me? How about you show me what the Bible says? How about you set a good example? How about you accomplish something first? I'm sick of guys, too, who've never pastored a church that want to tell me how to pastor a church. Hey, can you go do one successful thing first? Hey, what's the longest you've ever even been in a church? Oh, wow, you went to one for two years straight? You know, congratulations. That's pathetic. All right, you know, just, uh, you know, do something before you're telling other people what to do. Okay, you've got, you know, eight little kids under the age of six that are all, you know, well behaved right now. You know, let me see what you can do when they're teenagers. You know, let's see what happens. Let me see what your kids do when they don't have to listen to you anymore. That's what I want to see. You, you show me something then, then you come run your mouth to me. That's what I want to see. These people can't wait. They're just, they're just Pharisees. They're, they're using their kids' little props to make them look good and stuff like that, but their kids are miserable. And these people, they don't have patience with anyone. They don't give anyone a chance to grow. And that is not the way things should be. Romans 14 verse 1 says, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye but not to doubtful disputations. For one believe that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth for God hath received him. You know what? We're going to have people that are going to come into this church that are going to be weak in some areas of their life. And if they are weak, you know what we're going to do? We're going to let them come in. Now, not the doubtful disputations. If we have somebody that's a new believer that comes into this church, for example, and let's say they're not convinced on the King James only position yet. Okay? We'll receive that person into the church, just not the doubtful disputations. If they want to come in here and argue about the King James issue and try to sow, cause division on the King James issue, then we're going to tell them, hey, we're not ready to put up with you right now. You need to get out. Okay? But... Just because they're not there yet, as long as they're not causing trouble, we're not going to, we're going to receive those people. If somebody comes in and they're weak, you know, on you know some of the doctrines that we believe strongly in here, maybe they're weak on dress standards and stuff like that. You know what? We will receive them as long as they're not trying to spread what they're doing in the church. I think I think that's what that passage is talking about right there. And so if you are somebody who is super strong in a certain area, you realize if you are supposed to receive people who are weaker in that area, as long as they're not causing trouble. You know, if you're really strict with how you dress in your family, great. Somebody else comes in here, maybe their daughter's dresses are a few inches higher than yours. You know, they're, they're not quite as strict as you are. You know what you ought to do? Receive them. Now, if they're making fun of your kids, if they're trying to encourage you to lower your standards, you know, you don't have to put up with that. But people who just want to come in that are weak, we're, you know, we're going to receive them. And if some self-righteous, you know, Pharisee wants to come in here and start enforcing things on people when they're not ready and causing, causing trouble there, we're going to reject, we're not going to reject the new people that are weak. We're going to reject the other person. That's who we're going to reject. We're going to reject people that God would reject. So, we should receive those who are weak. But just because they were, they're weak doesn't mean they can come in disputing things. And most of them don't usually do that. Okay. So, another uh, characteristic of the self-righteous reject, they're experts on subjects with zero experience. Okay? Look what it says later in uh, Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. Let me point out something here. Now, we read some of this in this morning's message. But it says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after things which make for peace and things wherewith we may edify one another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother is stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat because he eateth not of faith for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now this, once again, this is talking about, you know, the eating meat and things like that. And you know, if you're somebody that you have that liberty in Christ, if you know a lot, you know what? Don't go 
causing problems for that weaker brother. Alright? You know, don't go trying to force something on them. Okay, you have the liberty to eat meat sacrificed to idols. They might not be there yet. Don't try to force them to do what you're doing when they're not ready. Because whatsoever is not of faith is sin. I shouldn't be, you know, proclaiming that I'm going to do something for God and for the rest of my life, making some kind of pledge that I'm not ready for, that I'm not, I'm not fully convinced of. I shouldn't do that. I'm going to end up hurting myself. And what happens with a lot of these people when they come into church, you know, they're just convinced of all these things. I mean, they know they are right and they try to twist people's arm into following these same things before the people are ready. They don't give the people a chance to grow. And you know what's amazing about these people? Said, you know, they do. They know all about raising kids because their kids well behaved at 10. Alright? Big deal. Alright? I understand our world's pathetic and they can't even get a five-year-old to behave. Alright? But you're, you're still not that impressive if your 10-year-old's behaving. I mean, you're off to a good start. You know, keep it up. But you haven't proved anything to me yet. Alright? You haven't really proved anything to me until they're an adult. You know, that, that's what I really, that's what I really want to see. But, you know, these people, they know how to run a church, but they've never been in one for more than five years. They know everything that the pastor's doing wrong. They know everything that's wrong with everybody else in the church. Yet they're the most miserable people in the church. And you know these same people too? You know what all these weirdos have in common too? They all know how to cure cancer. You know, they all have this perfect, you know, holier than thou, hallelujah diet. The hallelujah diet was a big fad back in the day. You know, they all eat their, they were all, everybody was, all these people were all eating barley green. You know, and all that stuff. And you know, if you want to do that, great. But it, isn't it amazing how all these people too, whenever somebody in the church would get cancer, they would always want to jump down their throats that they'd go get chemo or something like that. You know what? If anybody in our church ever gets cancer, and you know some magic cancer cure, shut up. All right? Nobody wants to hear it. Let them talk to their doctor that's actually got experience and that stuff. You don't know what you're talking about in that subject. Okay? And I wish, I know some pastors in this area, because they have big churches, they think they're experts on everything. And I know people that they've literally gotten killed because they counseled them to not take the doctor's advice when it came to their cancer because they know this vitamin salesman that can cure their cancer. And yet, and I remember there was a big fad, there was a preacher who was like telling everybody to go to this vitamin doctor that can cure everybody's cancer. And I remember my wife was talking about, you know, it's like if I ever got cancer, I would probably want to go that route too. And I just thought, I said, you know what, why don't we wait and see if any of these people that we know right now with cancer get cured from it. And you know what, so far... No one has, and some have died. And I'm thinking, you know, it's just amazing how some people think they're experts on everything where they have no experience. It's like, oh, really? Did you get cured from cancer? Did you used to have cancer and you did this diet and you got cured? Oh, okay, you read a book. I, all right, I got, you know, that's a great experience. You know, you watch a YouTube video. Oh, thank you. Know, thank you very much. All right, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out my doctor's advice right now and I'm just going to, I'm going to, you know, eat your barley green and stuff like that. You know, just. You know, these people too. I'm, you know, these one people I know that uh, turned out perverts. All their kids turned out to be perverts. They jumped on a family in my dad's church one time because they use a microwave, and microwaves cause cancer. Now listen, I don't want to get cancer, but I would rather one of my kids grow up and get cancer than grow up and be a homo or a pervert. I would. I would rather get cancer than be a pervert. I, I you know, there's worse things that can happen than cancer. And I don't want to get cancer either. I don't want to go asking for cancer. But you know what? Hey, how about I you know, focus on first things first? Because if my kid turns out a pervert, it would actually be beneficial if they got cancer. Alright, you know, you know, something to put them down quicker, since the government's not going to do it. But the truth is, you know, if you know there's there's you gotta get your priorities right in some of these things. And these people, they're all the experts on everything with zero experience. And none of these people, I'm watching, I'm watching that video and I'm, I'm looking at so many of these families that I remembered. None of them are still in church. Most of them, most of these fam, many of these families are divorced. I mean, I was talking to my wife, you know, we're like naming off all these people that were there. And I was like, I mean, we're naming off all their kids that are growing up now. All of them. Perverts, divorced, out of church, none of them doing anything for God, yet they talk the most spiritual game out of anybody. They would run 
people out of the church that weren't living up to their standards. And then, and ultimately, these people just ended up getting rejected. You know, we pretty much ran them out of our church. And we've had some of these people that have come through here and visited here. And you know what? I might be terrible, but I, I do what I can to run those people off. And we've, we, we, we had a whole back section full of them years ago. They came in and I saw, I was like, I, I know you people. I know you're kind. <laughs> and I did. And they did. They kept bringing up all these stupid, weird, strain at the gnat things and stuff like that. And let's just say I didn't make a real big effort to get them to keep coming. And I've, I, I know example after example. I'm sorry. You know, when you could just care less about church attendance, when you could care less about giving out the gospel, when you could care less about the authority of the scriptures, you know, you are an imbalanced person. Oh, but you're so hardcore and eating organic. You know, they eat all their organic food, and that's fine with that. You know, they got their, you know, organic back scratchers, and, you know, it doesn't I mean, this is like, what? You got an organic paddle, you know, they don't make sure there's no finish on there. You know, just shut up. You know, you're, you are a weirdo, is what you are. And you know, most of these people, when I was growing up, most of these people, the parents, were former hippies. Most of them were former hippies. And it's like they're embarrassed about that old way. Instead of just putting them behind them, you know, just getting saved, putting them behind them, and just moving on for God, they just, it's like they're doing penance now. It's like they, they're living this life of penance. They don't even know that they're Pharisees. They don't even realize they're self-righteous, but they do. They have this holier-than-thou, thou I'm better than everybody attitude, and they're always rejected from every place. They're rejected from every church. And just like the Jews have been rejected from pretty much every culture, you know, throughout history, you know, self righteous people are hated by everyone. Christians have always been very open and loving to sinful people. Churches have always had jail ministries, prison ministries, homeless ministries. I mean, we love to reach out to people like that. We love going to the ghettos. We love going to the slums and giving the gospel to people. You know why? Because even though they're rotten, these people, they're willing to admit it. They're willing to have faith. Those people get saved. God can do something in their life. But you know what? We're all disgusted by those self-righteous people that want to come in here and put their families on display and just show everybody, hey, look how great we are. Look how nice we look. You know, look at our nice, you know, our kids' haircuts and our our clothes. You know, look at look at look at us. Everybody hates people like that. And you know what? If these people want to know why they get rejected from churches, why they're getting kicked out of churches, it's not because they're just so strong or anything. It's because they're self-righteous rejects. We feel the same way about them that God felt about self-righteous, holier than thou Israel. They're a smoke in our nose. They're an irritation. They're an annoyance, and don't ever be that way. I they don't they don't be. I'm so sick of people too that listen to our preaching and other other pastors in this movement that go around causing trouble in the churches that they go to, sowing discord, acting like they're better than everybody because they're so strong in this one area. No, you're getting thrown out of these churches because you're a self righteous reject. Most people who get thrown out of old IFB churches, not not all of them, not all of them, some of them, you know. You know the Rucktard churches. You know they throw out they've thrown out some good people before, but you know good people usually leave those voluntarily. But you know what? It's it's not a hundred percent. But most of them, if they ever actually came to our church, would get thrown out of this church too. And because nobody wants to work with the self righteous, self righteous rejects are bad, and they need to be kicked out of churches because they're tools of the devil to shut up the kingdom of God to others. They think they're being persecuted for their convictions. But they have too much pride to realize they're good for nothing and nobody wants them. Matthew 23.11 says, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. They keep people out of the kingdom of God. One of these families, one time, I remember... That one I was telling you about, the kids all wore the blue button-up shirts everywhere they went. One day we were at church, and another family showed up. Big van, whole bunch of kids, blue button-up shirts. And I was like, they must know each other. They didn't know each other, but they went. They came together like magnets. And I remember these kids like reeked of B.O. 
And I remember hearing the parents didn't believe in using deodorant because there's bad chemicals in them. And I remember, I'm just a kid, I, don't, you know, I flunk chemistry and stuff, and I'm thinking, those chemicals in their armpits can't be very good for you either. I mean, that, that, that's bad, you know. And I remember we were at the grocery store one time, and we saw one of the kids, and he had a plastic, he grabbed a plastic bag of some kind of candy, and with the plastic on it, he's like sucking on one of the pieces of candy. He's just like sucking on it. It was just gross. Was like, this kid was like 12, too. He's just like sucking on this thing. But I was talking to you know, the, the, his dad, and his dad didn't notice what he was doing. He's just sucking this thing, and then he just left it. It was disgusting. These people were just gross. They were gross, smelly people, but they were so, they were so good. They were so much holier than us that they don't use deodorant. You know, but they still stank. <laughs> they still they still smelled really bad. And you know, folks, when you do when you get all puffed up because you're just so good in one area, just understand you make everybody sick. But you know what? When you're when you have some humility, people will overlook some of your faults if you have humility, if you're gracious to other people. People, you know, you're going to be liked better. You're going to be received better. And that's the attitude we ought to have. We should not get that puffed up attitude with people. If we do, we're, just, we're always going to be wondering why we don't have any friends. We're always going to be wondering why nobody likes us. Nobody's going to, nobody likes the self-righteous. And anytime, you know, you wonder why, you know, just study Isaiah chapter 65. You know, you, you are a smoke in their nose. Just like at the campfire, you know, you see people move around every time the wind shifts. Why Everybody wants to get away from the smoke. You know, why is it? We walk into church and it's like the auditorium keeps shifting. Everybody keeps moving. I'll tell you why. Because your family's a smoke in the nose. And nobody wants to be around you. They're irritated by your holier-than-thou attitude. Never, never let that be you. Don't let that be you. And, and, and it's, it's not. It's, it's not in our church, but it's trying to get in here. And so we want to we want to head this stuff off at the pass. So anyway, I hope that was blessings. Let's pray, dear Lord. Thank you so much for your word, Lord. Help us to always remember where we came from, Lord. Help us to compare ourselves to you and not to other people. Help us to uh, keep a humble uh, attitude. Uh, help us to try to you know be as good as we possibly can. But Lord, help us to be gracious with other people. Help us to uh, exhort one another, do things that edify, and not to get lifted up with pride. In your name, we pray. Amen. Let's